Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Josh Knapp here. You're watching Collider Heroes. It's a Monday. It's episode 236. We're climbing up towards 300 on a slow weekly basis, two times a week. But we're going to get there. <laughs> and you know who's coming with me? It's Robert Meyer Burnett. What's up, man? Uh, it, it's, it's going great today. You That's know, right. I spent all weekend gatekeeping for fans. I know. It's a very important job to be a gatekeeper, like you described me no, on the pre-show. As no- dude. You were saying, like, being a gatekeeper is like what you used to do. You'd look at the Paramount lot, and you'd see those gates, and you're like, that's real gatekeeping. And now it's a free-for-all. Anybody's a gatekeeper. You're right. I, I That's the actual only gate that I've ever had in my yeah. fandom is the actual gate at Paramount. And that's a real thing. I couldn't tangible get Tangible gate. Yeah, it's a tangible Now I'm starting gate. a new show called Tangible Gates. Jeff, would you like to be part of it? I am totally into Jeff that. May, I thanks will, for being on the show. Always a pleasure. Hey, always man. To, for the first time. It's yeah. always been a first time We, we can still ruin this. We can, can still just make you miserable. You know what? I've been going 36 years of misery. Let's keep Yay, going. Let's 37 years of misery. What's up, Amy? <laughs> oh, great to be here. Yeah. Uh, quit it with your... <laughs> that was you a were real joking, gate. though, right? I'm joking. By the way, yes. I don't believe in fandom gatekeeping. I don't even know what that is. Everybody should love and be free to love whatever it is they love. Man. Never. No, he was explaining it beforehand, yeah. and I was like, you said what? <laughs> no, it's just... It's crazy how people take things seriously on Twitter, isn't it? Infinity yeah. War, guys. Yeah. That was just yeah. like, well, oh, Twitter happened to you yesterday? Yeah, yeah that's how Twitter that sometimes that's... happens to all of us. It's really fun. Guess what? Let's talk about some stuff. Eternals. You ever heard of them? The Eternals are coming to Marvel, the MCU. <laughs> that's right. Um, anybody who has not checked out The Eternals, here's some flavor imagery from the creator of The Eternals, Jack Kirby. It was uh, when his uh, third, fourth, maybe fifth, I can't remember how many returns he went to when he left Marvel, came back. This is one of his second-to-last returns, I believe, to Marvel, where he came up with the Eternals. 
um, which are like kind of like a little a semi-sequel to The New Gods, yeah. you know, where he was messing around with the Distinguished Competition. It was like, look, why don't you come on back and give us some of that New Gods flavor? And he did in the form of Icarus and Makari and yeah. Cersei and some other characters like the Reject and his weird giant red friend there, Karis. So, you know, you got all these flavor guys that, that uh, Kirby came up with. And uh, the Eternals is also where the Celestials come from. So here we start to bring in the bridge of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Celestials were introduced in Guardians of the Galaxy. So for us hardcore deep-cut deep nerds freaking out about seeing a Celestial on a screen when we're in the Nova Corps, you're like, my God, that's a Celestial! And everyone else says, what's he talking about? So anyone who had that freak out during that period of time, we've, only, we've always known this moment was coming. We've always known since they introduced i.e. James Gunn and all those people who were like, we're bringing in the cosmic element, not just for Infinity War with Thanos, but we are bringing in the Celestials. And if you bring in the Celestials, you are bringing in the Eternals. So I feel like Marvel was like, look, we've got Thor Ragnarok Kirby flavor all over oh, the joint. That was like, DC was like, what are we doing wrong? Oh, that's right, we have Kirby. New Gods gets <laughs> announced. And then I think Marvel's like, well, look, we, you know, we've already set this up. It's not going to come as a shock or a surprise, but... Let's talk about the Eternals and how are they going to get introduced? When are they going to get introduced? As in they've already been introduced, but when are we going to finally meet them? What do you think? Amy, let's start with you. Are we going to see Icarus or any of the Eternals in Infinity War? So I'm fascinated by this. I would expect it to be cameos at best just because they have so much on their plate. Mm -hmm. And, like, we would all go wild, but especially when when you're telling us we're wrapping up all of this era – and new stuff is coming, it would be a strange time to be like, we're wrapping up all of this new stuff, but here's a whole new world. Counter-argument, they just did that. They did that with the world of Wakanda, uh, and we're all super into it, because if you do it well enough, we're fine. Right. Um, uh, So I could be completely wrong on that. I'd love to see them be like, watch, (laughs) you came in thinking you're only going to care about 75 characters. You're going to care about 120 characters. And you know what I like? The Russo brothers just recently said this, and I know everybody out there is dead set on thinking that Avengers Part 1 and 2 are still continuing the Thanos story. Well, they're not. Thanos is it's one one and done. It's Infinity War. That's what you're getting. And the Avengers Four is a completely different story, completely different setup. It could be the Kree Skrull War. It could be even bigger. It's going to be cosmic. We know that. I'm thinking that they're they've laid the plans, they've laid the pipe, and we are going to go through this pipe into Eternals, and they're going to get introduced in a post credit scene somehow. The the Russos are not playing around. They're like, look, we you know. We're, they, they've checked in with everybody. They've checked in with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. They're checking in with Phase 4 with Kevin Feige. Like, they're setting things up. And Avengers 4 is going to be a different storyline. So I think Thanos is not going to continue after the Infinity War. That's my guess, especially reading from what the Russo brothers just recently talked about as far as, like, they were saying, no, Silver Surfer's not in it. We don't have the rights yet to that. They're, like, kind of like, but then again, do we believe the Russo brothers? It's hard to believe. Like, <laughs> so it's yeah. really hard to tell, but I, I kind of do believe them. I think what they are saying is like, look, we've, we've, we originally went in thinking we we're going to do this big two-part story, and then while we were making it, we realized we could tell the story in one, or at least that's what they're saying right now. We're going to find out in a week you know, what, what's going on, but what do you think about the Eternals? Well, Thanos is an Eternal, right? He was retconned. The, the Titanians, is that mm. what they call them? Um, 
Yeah, that's a fun name. Is well, you that know still true? I, I, think, I, I think they I, were at a, one point. I'm so confused because I just yeah. reread that Iron Man, the very first appearance of not just Drax the Destroyer, but Thanos. The helicopter. Oh, they, yeah, and they, there's like Thanos and his uh, they're like his dad's name was Zirkri or something. They all had weird names. Try not like, to make too much sense I, you of know, that. I, I, but I read, I was like, hmm, I don't know how much of this is true anymore. But uh, I, th- I think they were. I, the Eternals, to me, never really shined that hard like it would be strange if they would go in that direction because who has ever been clamoring for the eternals like that's my Cersei's running around with the avengers a lot there's been good stuff there on with her on her own yeah but but you got like runs to point people to you've basically got like some of the 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 original kirby stuff and then like neil gaiman took a shot at it right but like nobody really picked up the ball from there here have this failed ongoing or this failed ongoing or these two six to seven issue miniseries like it's i i would be super surprised if they brought the eternals in just because like kind of who cares other than like really hard it's like why the inhumans everyone's just like we're gonna downgrade that and now we're gonna just get well, rid of it. i mean i would argue that point because i think the inhumans if done right like they were originally going to do as a feature film and set up the right way would have been fantastic that would have been marvel's counterpoint to the x-men since they didn't own the x-men they actually own yeah. these mutants called eternal i mean called the inhumans mm-hmm. so i feel like in the same breath guardians of the galaxy they can eternalize the eternals with using that same no one wanted a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and no one even knew what the hell they were. Like, except for deep cut nerds, were like, "Yeah, I remember this version of." And then the comic did okay with this newer, newer version. Yeah. They were kind of going with that newer version with Raga Raccoon and Groot and all that stuff. But still, you got a talking tree, a talking raccoon. No one would have predicted that would have been such a gigantic hit. And I feel the same thing holds true for the Eternals. Whether or not it's a, a successful comic book run, like a lot of these other comic books, the ideas are there. Yeah, I could see that. I, I always feel like the Eternals are more just like, uh, we're just still space white people. Like, mm-hmm. it's just the thing where it's like Guardians of the Galaxy is just the most insane concept. It's just literally a raccoon, a tree, a crazy guy. You know, like you had all that. With the Eternals, they never shined to me. Other mm-hmm. than, like Amy was saying, like Cersei. Like, oh, she was in the Avengers. I get sure. that. Um, I just... I'd be surprised. I mean, it would be a kind of a cool surprise. But that would also sure. set them up well to be adapted in terms of the fact that no one will be that mad if you have something that takes inspiration from that, but then you kind of James Gunn it where you're like, well, it's this thing now. Like, yeah. you probably have some good opportunities to take anything you like and maybe have people not be so angry. And I think they, they've right set now. it up in the MCU, at least, to like be able to take the best bits of all of the Eternals and spread it out, just like they've set up the Celestials and they're like mining the inside of a Celestial's head. That's where most of half of the first guard the galaxies takes place in that's not in any of the comic books so you basically take a jumping off point and then you jump what do you think well you've got ego you know we saw ego who is he a celestial you know or and then then you've got the grandmaster and you've got the collector mm-hmm. the elders. Who, who are part of that sort of environment like we've always talked about doing a i don't know like a hope and crosby on the road movie with the grandmaster and 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 the collector together and mm-hmm. Howard the Duck. You right. know they hit the we road. We have pet movies here that we yeah, decided that we should up, exist. That we, yeah. you know, these, We're hoping that the, they become them. a Marvel one shot, and that's just and, a and dream. people do. Like and it. people have done fan art. And I look at these things going. If I saw a Marvel movie with with Jeff Goldblum and Benicio del Toro, I'm like, who wouldn't go see that? If I saw any movie with those, I, two. I mean, <laughs> and, and the thing is, what if what if what happens in Infinity War it turns the galaxy into or the universe into a mess? You know, who's going to clean that mess up? We've got what's going to happen on Earth, assuming it's in Avengers 4, whatever mm-hmm. that is. There's the aftermath. But what on a cosmic scale is the aftermath? 
And you, that could be a jumping off point. You know, well, I mean, there's so many things that just by introducing a character who's trying to get these bizarre gems, these stones, one of them's held by Novacorp. And like, so literally the Nova Corps is going to get eradicated or some really bad shit's going to happen. <laughs> which will probably, yeah, yeah. will probably do some way of introducing the character of Nova. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, little ways that they've already incorporated and begun to incorporate a lot of these larger cosmic ideas. We just don't know how they're going to weave them together. Sort of like the Annihilation Wave when, when the Nova, when he absorbed all the other... Because, yeah, that, that was a weird spoiler in Infinity War. I'm like, guess what happened to the Nova Corps? We got this gem right here. Right. Like, the first <laughs> thing you see, yeah. it's going to be a bad day. Yeah, it's so- something I like about those trailers, though, where they're sort of like, here's the worst you're guessing might happen. We're putting it in the trailer. Now make some guesses. <laughs> We're going right. to allude to the finger snap right now. That was your big guess. Yeah. Now what do you think? Yeah. Like- <laughs> so, I mean, it's fun that even though we've seen, like, four trailers and a bunch of TV spots or whatever, we still have only literally seen about five minutes of the movie. Because they keep cutting back to the same toe the line Wakanda scene and the same like uh, Doctor Strange and Iron Man in New York and Spider-Man's hair getting all crazy. It's like, so we've seen that, those same shots, but just like the next shot and then the following right. shot. Hey, they <laughs> seem to be on Titan and Spider-Man is jumping through some kind of debris. We, oh, Doctor Strange is being tortured by Ebony Maw. Those are things everyone on the planet knows, but we don't know how, when, and where or why they happen and when. So, I mean, it's literally there's like another two hours and 20 minutes outside of the credits. Well, that exists. Today, when, when Carrie Coon was announced as being the voice of Proxima Midnight, right. even she said on her Twitter feed, like, she's, like, in it. Like, they, 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 she, I guess she was motion-capped, mo-capped. Nice. Carrie Coon was in The Leftovers. She was in Gone Girl. She was Ben Affleck's sister in the film. Fargo. She's a Fargo, absolutely. She's an incredible actress. But the fact that they got her to be uh, Proxima Midnight... Who else is in this movie? Right. I, I'm just like, there, there well, are secrets. The Russos were wait. like, we got giant names for all of them. So we don't know who the other three are yet, but they're That's all amazing. big names. Yeah. Uh, and and the fact that no that? one knows, we don't know. Right. The super nerds, we don't know. No, don't, don't know the story either. So couldn't tell you anything about the Avengers of Infinity War except who's in it. I love and from that. what I've seen from the so trailer. So good. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. And there's, you know, some, some people are trying to spoil some stuff online. I'd avoid that stuff. Yeah. If you can, if you see somebody like heavy spoilers, don't click on it. Yeah, those are just, bad people. Yeah, I would just avoid that stuff. You know, it's like, hey, you got a week and a half. You can do that. You can, you can go into the movie as blind as we are. Everything we're talking about is kind of just nerd speculation. Like, can the I Eternals. ask, like, who do you want to see on the Eternals? I want to see. I would love to see the main the main characters: Icarus, Cersei, uh, Makara, and then mm-hmm. some of the the deviants. I definitely want to see the Unimind. <laughs> I want to see the bigger, weirder cosmic shit that Kirby was like. I didn't get to like that's how I look at all of Kirby's work is like jumping from here and he didn't get to finish it, so he just takes that and brings it to the next. It didn't matter if it was Marvel or DC yeah. or Pacific Comics. It was like now nah, uh, Homo erectus. I don't know. Then now it's like the you know Silver Star. You know all these like crazy mm. ideas are all just jumping off point from what he's already done when he was like the new gods the old gods are dead aka all of the marvel characters here are the new gods this is my new version of my thing when i'm jumping over to dc oh that didn't work out you cancel all my stuff then you cancel commandy and you cancel demon i'll see you later i'm creating the eternals i'm creating a bunch of other word crazy <laughs> stuff i'm doing devil dinosaur and machine man son i know we, we've <laughs> talked about this before i think but i was just reading like the intro to the giant uh fourth world omnibus and there, there is that quote that i think i'd seen it before but i'd forgotten uh that mark evanier tells about Jack Kirby where like Jack Kirby in response to younger artists like some artists was taking over Captain America and they were like yeah we're really trying to get the the, the Kirby spirit and, and Kirby was like they don't get it the Kirby thing to do is just make a new thing yep <laughs> perfect thing for Kirby to say because that's what he did his entire life so I'd love to see some version of the Eternals and believe me if I'm the only one in line 
that's impossible. I won't be the only we'll one. We'll be there. So, yeah, everyone will be in line because everyone will, at the point that they finally decide to announce the Eternals for part of Phase 4, will have already been invested in the Eternals from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, from anything that James Gunn is doing. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if James Gunn doesn't jump from Volume 3 to make the Eternals. I mean, you know, it's like he's threatened to do Howard the Duck and Rom, but I would say the Eternals has a good fit. For James Gunn, he could apply some of his quirky filmmaking style to that entire group of weirdos, especially like Karis and the Reject. Just like just those characters alone could be a cool full half of the movie. So <laughs> anyway, look up the Eternals, get some of that Kirby flavor, and there's a bunch of iterations like like we talked about Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman run, is a great run. The John Romita Jr. art. I mean, so there's a lot of different. And John Romita Jr. has done a, a great kind of. His his work over the years has cre- Im- like he's embodied a lot of that Kirby power lines. Those, but oh, for sure. he just literally kind of he was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna open up my panels, and by doing that, like those bigger battle scenes. If you read any of his work that he did with Bendis on the, some of those Avengers, some of those fight scenes are just beautiful. Like yeah. they're just crazy. Like they bring me back to I'm 11 watching people punch each uh, yeah. each other through buildings. You He's, know, he simplifies, and yeah. in doing that, yeah. like when you look at. Ramita Jr. stuff from the 80s, it was very, like, of its time. Yes. And then he was just, like, he found a way to simplify. And I think we're starting to see just the the benefits of being able to not overly render and just really have Most a good definitely. time with it. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a case in point for so many artists where it's, like, as as they've been able to fully capture and render everything, then they pull back and it becomes better. So let's get into the comic book pull list. <laughs> Starting off with number five, Moonshine. That's right, B- Brian Azzarello. And Eduardo Riso. It's episode nine. If you're not checking out this crazy film noir werewolf freak fest, it's amazing. I absolutely love it. Number four, we've got Black Hammer, Age of Doom by Jeff Lemire and Dean Ormstrom. Definitely check out Black Hammer. I mean, Jeff Lemire is all over the place. The guy's a writing monster. I think he writes about 400 comics a month. I don't know how he does it. He's cloned himself. But this is one of those comics you want to be reading. Number three, we've got Brave and the Bold, number three. That's right. Liam Sharp is hitting it out of the park as a writer and an artist, killing it with Wonder Woman and Batman and fighting a bunch of elves and fairies and whatnot. So definitely get into it. It's the stories he, he's wanted to tell for a long time. His art has increased, you know, manifold since he was doing Wonder Woman. It's like literally leaps and bounds. So definitely check it out. Uh, number two, we've got The Amazing Spider-Man, number 799, edging towards 800. Dan Slott finishing his long run, Stuart Amonin drawing it. And if you didn't get the, you know, like look at Alex Ross killing it with these covers <laughs> every month. You got the Red Goblin, and I got the last issue, and I was like, oh, my God. Like I hadn't been reading Spider-Man, and I was like, everyone was like, you got to check out this Red Goblin. I was like, all right. And then I, I bought the last couple. I went back, and it's like hard to find issues. Thanks a lot, sweaties. Everyone's <laughs> yeah. buying them. It's like, yeah, hey, give a brother a break, man. Don't buy all of them. I was like, I ain't got to get all the covers. And I'm like, relax. So anyway, finally, we got Action Comics number 1,000. Uh, That's this what? Wednesday. Crazy. That's right. The red trunks are back. Relax. Um, <laughs> hey, it's bivarious. That means everybody and their brother and mother and son and daughter oh all drew on it, wrote on it. The only person they didn't get was John Byrne. I'm disappointed. But guess what? Check out his entire run. He did about like four or five years worth of comics in one year. Um, and so <laughs> we're going to talk about that You know, on Wednesday. We're going to talk about the you know, Bendis run. But... Action Comics number 1,000. Let's go with you guys. What do you think about this 1,080th birthday of Superman, the 1,000, I can't even say, 1,000th issue of Action Comics? What do you think? I mean... This is cool as hell! That's, that's, that's longevity. That's uh, it's doing pretty good. Comics, yes. uh, they did all right. I, I, am fa- I am loving these variant covers. Your favorite, right? Oh, okay. So... Uh, they mm. have a lot. How many I hate variants, but 
They're yeah. beautiful. Oh. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be two faced all week. I'm mm. gonna be like, this is the worst. This is the best uh, because they've got a set of decades for every like a, a cover for every decade from the 30s to the yeah. to now, and they're, and they're exquisite. They're so good. Like Steve Rude's cover alone oh, the, should be a poster. That the Allred uh, 60s cover. Allred's cover is incredible. Just so flawless. And then you have a Steranko showing up to yeah. do a 70s that cover. That was the thing. That, like, <laughs> I couldn't believe that. Yeah. I was like, wow. No, they, they really like everybody. Like, I don't know who did the cover of like him sitting in the Fortress of Solitude. Like, I don't know who did that one, but that's the one that I want. There's so the Libermeo 2000s one. And it's funny as I'm going through, I'm like, why didn't they do a 2000? That's the Jim Lee one. I'm an idiot. There it is. I'm like, why didn't they do a variant for right? the last? De- oh, because that is the, the one cover. that is now that we're in. Okay, yeah, I gotta stop makes sense. thinking about. No, stuff, I mean, I no. think there were like 10, 10 of them or something, and then it's like 30, 30, 30, 50, 60, 70s, 80s, 90s, 90s, 2000s, right? Not, but then the they like then there's additional one. weird variants on top of those. Oh, of course. That's so I'm like, I, this comic book shop only got this one. So you're like, whoa. Oh, yeah. Those are. So they, and they're, they're like 10 bucks each. So you don't have to buy all of these. I'm sure they yeah. will collect all of the covers in the back. Eventually, there'll be like other ways to get a hold of this. But like, ooh, what a day. I got to get that all red one. Yeah. Oh, I want it so Yeah. Bad. How much? Uh, each issue is like, what, $8.99? Eight or nine. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, so you can't really like, you know, unless, unless you're making a lot of money, be like, no, I'll buy all of them. I'm going to buy one. It's the same book inside. Yeah. yeah it's the same exact book just different cover so you could kind of pick the cover that you want so did, hopefully you know it doesn't sell out the one i want did you look at the creator list yeah like crazy. have you just looked at it it's it's amazing it, it's insane like you go from like bendis and scott snyder and kurt swan and, and uh Ariely and and just uh all these incredible people and you're like how how is this a thing that happened it's like oh because it's the 1000th issue yeah, the most important thing a thousand comes out like, yeah this is why we have comics like Let's be honest. Like this is why everything exists now. You have the one thousandth issue of the thing that started what this is. Yeah, I think it's and that's fantastic. Crazy, and you know, a lot of these comic books are renumbering and starting over. But I think when they get to like when they get to cap eight hundred, even though they might restart the numbering, whatever, there's someone keeping note of like, well, technically, this is actually issue seven ninety three, and you know. So I think once we get to those big numbers. They'll put that big in the corner They've or whatever. They've been they... skipping some of them, and yeah. I don't love it, but, yeah. like, thank you for making a thousand happen. Yeah. Well, you know, what's, I think what's really interesting, what this celebrates, uh, it, it's not just really the first superhero that you can go back to, but the character of Superman throughout the years has really been a reflection, like we were talking about at the time. Mm. It, it, there has been the Superman family. You know, there's been Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. There's Crypto the Superdog. There's all kinds of crazy weirdness. And then when Byrne took over, it became that 80s renaissance where comic books were made. Not His run wasn't darker, but it was definitely more realistic. There was more of a... Oh, if Superman really existed... Like, one of my favorite things ever in a comic book is when Luther finds out... You know, he's got that big computer and Burns Run, and he, he, he's right. trying to find out who Superman is, and it comes back. The computer says, well, Superman's actually Clark Kent. Luther's like, that's ridiculous. Destroy this computer. That could never happen. Yeah. Why would somebody like Superman ever be someone like Clark Kent? And pretend to be a mere human being. Yeah, Destroy I, this computer. And, yeah. and it was, I, I just think that the, the, the legacy, like one of my, I, I always go back to like Superman of the 60s, Superman of the 70s, those little collections that they're not fairly, they're not very big. Right. But you read them, and there's such, there's such a joy in the legacy and history of Superman comics. Like, you can go back and find just about everything you want from various Superman stories. They're funny. Some of them are really goofy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, and I just, I love the idea that we're at a thousand oh, of yeah. this American institution that has represented everything that comic books are over the years. 
Well, I think uh, the, the, the burn run that you were talking about, it definitely, it was at that point in time, it was after Frank Miller, it was after Alan Moore. So a lot of comics were going darker and like, make them gr- grim and grittier. And that was the catchphrase of the word, you know, it was like, of the time was like, it's got to be darker, it's got to be more violent. And Byrne took, didn't do that. Right. In fact, like, I think the third or fourth issue of his run had fucking Toy Man in it or whatever. Yeah. It was like, you know what I mean? Like some of the cornier characters, he was like, nah, nah, Metallo. nah. Yeah, he brought them all, he brought yeah. all of those characters back, dusted them off, and his whole back to basics approach that he applied with Fantastic Four and why his run on Fantastic Four is like hollowed ground. It's a legacy because he, he took everything that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby did and put a new spin on it, but didn't change a lot. He just was like was able to bring it up to date, like bring it up to now, but bring that kind of fun and flavor that the Fantastic Four had in the 60s, but apply it to the, not, to the 80s. I feel like that's what Bendis hopefully is going to be doing because he's emulating Burns' entire run of what he did. Mm. They're doing six issues of Man of Steel, and then they're going to Superman number one. It's exactly what John Byrne did 32 years ago. You can't darken Superman up. It's not going to work. He's a character that lives in the light. Yep. That is the process. And every time we have seen, because we've seen them try right. and just cataclysmically fail. So what you have to do is you have to say, how can we make this character, who is essentially a god, relatively flawless, how can we make it interesting mm-hmm. and fun? And when you do that, that's when Superman actually succeeds, both with the fans and commercially as well. Because when you try to go dark, you get maybe a slight spike, and right. then it just plummets. Well, it's I, just not going to work. I think the most successful Superman stories, at least in my mind, are when they, they take the parallels of him being an alien and also him being brought up as, you know some Midwestern with morals and ethics. So it's sort of like, yes, he does have the powers of a God, but he has the thought and heart of a person who cares about the entire planet because his planet's gone. So it's a, it's sort of, it really is the best of all worlds is when you, and when you have someone who understands how to write Superman, then you get the best of all worlds. And we've gotten a bunch of amazing runs. I love Grant Morrison's spin on Superman. So many different ki- writers and artists have had their takes. So I'm and very actually, excited. actually, he's been on an upswing the last couple of years. People have been really happy. Like, the rebirth era of Superman has been super well-received. Yes. And I saw, like, just the classiest move from Bendis online where somebody wrote an article that was, uh, I think it was a New York Times article, which was apparently, like, a very kind, like, excited about his run article. But they gave it a headline which was designed to attract attention that was like, can this man save Superman? Right. And Bendis was like, that was not our headline. We did not pick that headline. And I have so much respect for all the people going before. But I'm very excited to do this. And it was just like, what a miracle that this random, disposable, recycled pitch for a newspaper comic strip that got pasted onto some, I hope we can make some money, like let's invent comic books so we can make a couple bucks and rip these kids off with their little comic strip idea. Like, that that is still going. Like, yeah, they cheated to get here numbering-wise, if you do the math at home. Like, it's been twice a a month for a while now. There have been points where it goes weekly. But, like, they did the math, and year in, year out, there has been a Superman. And how cool is that? We get to be here for issue 1,000. Yeah, I think it's it's really cool. And I I read that article, too. I'm glad Bendis brought that out. Because a lot of the the more recent comic books that Superman, like Juergen's Return, and he was doing a great run on it, it's not like these comics were not selling and that people were not into them. They just were like, we got Bendis. Let's do something. So I think when, you know, those kinds of bigger things happen, they just coincided 
in this way. So I feel like I was glad that he mentioned that because it was like, yeah, no one was doing anything wrong. It's just we're taking a new spin. So honorable mentions this week. There's so many comics that are coming out that I was like, you know what? I got to bust out and just do it. Descender 29, Baby Teeth 10, Lazarus 27, Batman 45, Brave and the Bold 3, which we listed, Mr. Miracle uh, number 8, Jupiter Jet number 5, Nick Wilson number 4, Future Quest number 9, and Cave Carson number 2. That's right. Uh, no yeah. two of these comics are yeah. like each other. Yeah. I love it. Whose pull list is this? This is mine. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, yeah, this is my pull list. But it's like, it's also, it's like, it just shows you the variation of what's available on a yes. weekly basis. And it's like some weeks I'm like, oh man, I, I'm scrambling to pull five together. Other weeks it's like this, where there's literally like almost 20 comics that I'm picking up. Because it, at the comic books are, the world of comics is not just based in the spandex tights universe. Oh. Obviously, the, the MCU has expanded outward into, now people don't even really think about it as like, oh, they're just in spandex. It's not even, that's not, we're outside of that 80s world mentality yeah. of the way of thinking about superhero movies. Let's not forget about comic books have been way outside of that for decades now. Publishing adult material, publishing different kinds of stories. Film, crime noir. I mean, like for myself being a giant film noir fan, when you know Brubaker and Phillips oh, started yeah. doing their incredible, incredible run on Criminal, and they're just uh, yeah. continuing. That's a team that cannot be beat, yeah. that, except unless you like put the pit them against Azrael and Risso and have them fight. I don't want to see that, that would, fight. You would, of course, um, we want to see that. Fight. I don't want to. I don't. I just they want them to keep the making hell stuff. Out of that yeah. fight. It would be crazy. But yeah. like Future Quest, that's got the Herculoids in that's it. Come so on. much fun. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that that is interesting. <laughs> Comics or literature. And I think probably we really hit this twist around the mid-2000s where people were recognizing that. Before that, you were like, yeah, Watchmen's great, and then everything else is still, mm -hmm. you know, tights and flight and everything. But now, now, since then, we've really had the idea that, oh, this is literature. It's, it's literature mixed with fine art. And, like, why, how is this possibly less than? Like, that's kind of the argument that I think most fans have been trying to push for decades, which is, like, this isn't less than. You're taking something that is a very, very intricate script, and then you're adding intricate art, and then you're like, it's not good enough. It's like, no, it's twice as good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> the, it's the best of both worlds. You have incredible writing and amazing art fused into this thing that only the cool people know about. It's called comic books. Hell so. yeah. I am going to do a couple of bubblegum recommendations Please though, do. Uh, that I missed last week. I didn't shout them out because I hadn't read them yet. But uh, Gail Simone writing Domino at Marvel. Oh, it's wow. fun as hell. It's such a Gail Simone book. Uh, and uh, Saladin Achman is writing Exiles. Okay. Um, and I'm oh. forgetting his oh. artist name right now. But there's a brand new run on Exiles, which is just like a, like, like a dimension hopping save the universe book. It's probably not going to be connected to other stuff, but it's going to be really, really fun. I was thinking of picking up Exiles, but I was on the fence. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to pick it up. And yeah, I want to, you fun. mentioned Gail Simone. Definitely check out, I'm going to be doing trades and paperbacks on Wednesdays now. So comic books are on Monday for the coming out Wednesday. And then trades and hardcover collections will be on Wednesday. Just recommendations. But one of them you just mentioned, Gail Simone, Clean Room. Oh, my true. God, that is incredible. Like I've just picked up, I bought the first trade and I was like, just ordered the second and third one. So phenomenal, so creepy. So great. I mean, I, I love the artist. I can't remember the artist's name right now, but I'll mention it uh, like on it. Wednesday. And definitely, Gail Simone, thank you for making Clean Room. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Let's get into Minor Mutations. Let's talk about Jessica Jones gets a third season. Hell yeah. That's right. What do you guys think? Have you guys got a chance to see the second season in full yet? 
I'm slowly working my way through the second season, but it's amazing just how nice it is to see her again. Even when I'm like, I hate all the decisions you're all making, but I love you. Please keep going. Yeah, there's a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> but like but fun bad decisions. That's what I'm sometimes. saying. Like I actually really, I, ha- I as well, I've like all of the series that are on Netflix now, I'm not rushing. I'm like, yo, you can't force me to watch them until I want to watch them. And I'm some slow, it's a slow burn. Like I did smoke five episodes of Lost in Space this weekend only because it was like, oh, Lost in Space is on. Eh. I, let's just try out the first episode. Absorbed. Incredible. Ooh. Fantastic. Neil Marshall directed the first two. It is an amazing reboot that, uh, you know, blows the mind. When yeah. you're like, think about Lost in Space, you're like, I remember the, you know, the 60s TV series, then the movie, <laughs> and then this is really, truly very, very cool. I saw that pilot at WonderCon. I, right. I was like, I had space. I had time in my schedule. So I'm like, I'll go to this panel. And I watched it. I was like, huh. This is super good. Yep. I really like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then Jessica Jones, uh, I'm exactly where you are, which is like I'm slowly making my way through it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not giving me the pace that season one was. Right. But I absolutely am in love with the character. I've been with Alias since issue one. Uh, I have original arts from the – like I've been super stoked on this, and I will support – 30 seasons of this character yeah. just because yeah. it'll just be Jeff and me just, <laughs> like yeah, watching them over and over and yeah. Netflix would be like our numbers are really good but just from those two yeah. it's weird. Burbank is blowing right. up <laughs> so literally about 7,000 views you're like randomly clicking <laughs> you know I, I was sort of down on the show at first because I thought the first season was a near masterpiece mm-hmm. I mean I, I've gone on and on it, it won me over you know by the, by the end of the show it, it wins me over because I love her so much like mm-hmm. I just thought it was a little bit more traditional the, the second season was a little bit more traditional where the, I thought the first season was transcendent. Mm. Uh, but it does crank it up, and I, 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 I highly recommend it. And I, I just I can't wait to see. The fact that there's more of it is great. Yeah, see, I'm on episode five right now of uh, Jessica Jones season two, but I've just been taking my time, and I really enjoy the, the pacing of the actual show itself. I like that they're taking their time with getting into each of the characters and like the thing that can you cracking them open a little bit more, like all of them are, are messed up. They're all messed yeah, up people. Yeah, right. So it's kind of like, it's fun that it's like, there's no need to rush. We've seen what rushing does, ruins things. So I feel like, look, especially with the Netflix where you got 13 episodes, easy. I don't need you to rush through stuff. Take your time. I think Jessica Jones covers humanity more than any of the other Netflix series. It yes. covers it, and especially from a feminine angle, mm. which I think is really important and significant. But when you look at all the other ones, um, and, uh, they, they pace themselves very fast, and usually season ones kind of have to because you don't know if you're getting a season two. Right. Um, and uh, I feel like Jessica Jones really makes you sort of focus more intrinsically. And we haven't really gotten that, which might be why it's harder to get through. It's, it's a task because you're unloading so much. And that's a lot different than just, oh, she's got to punch a guy now. Right. Well, it's a character right. who, who intrinsically doesn't like herself. Yeah. So it's like right away you're like you're, you're, you're dealing with the main character who's fighting herself as well as everybody else on planet Earth. Let's go on to Superman gets noted in the brand new Aquaman reshoots by a character they just cast. You see a little scrawly scrawl saying, does Superman exist or something like that? And then check out these pictures of Momoa and Amber Heard are sharing on Instagram. They can't help but be, hey, check it out. We're still doing Aquaman. (laughs) So, yes, reshoots are happening. Happens all the time. We're not going to get into like, oh, are we worried about it? I'm not worried about Aquaman. I just want to see the movie. And we're going to see it like, what, in like six months? What do you guys think about these reshoots? Good, Yay, nay? Anything? 
excited that people are having fun. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to have any idea what I think of this movie till it gets here, but I can't help being excited. I want underwater adventure. Right. It, like, it's clearly going to be very different from the Aquaman mythology, I know, but that has worked before. Swashbuckling. I don't think cars are going to be jumping through buildings, but I want to see, I want to see a lot of this kind of like big ocean master, crazy black mana action. The little small amount that we saw at San Diego Comic-Con, like, it feels like a lifetime ago now, but it's like those few moments that we saw were like, wow, that sold me on it. So if they're doing stuff to plus that, all, all for it. I'm okay as long as these reshoots don't involve a digitally removed mustache. There we go. Yeah. Like, or they're adding a mustache. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? Yeah. Everyone gets a mustache. Everyone wear a mustache. Give her a mustache. Yeah. Yeah. mustache. If you're watching mustache Legion, everybody can wear a mustache. You know what? <laughs> Let's get more mustaches in pop culture. I think Why mustaches. Why are they just the cuckoos? Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> what Legion's do you think? Well, you know, I'm not worried. I, th- I think in, in the case of Aquaman as well, this is a very uh, difficult film to make because predominantly a lot of it takes place in or on or under the water. Sure. You know, and that's a very hard thing to do in, in any movie. It's very difficult. And they're using special effects they probably haven't, you know, used before. And they go and they see what works and what doesn't work. And when they have, obviously, they have a cut of the film they're, they're looking at. And they're going, like, they're doing with all big genre movies now. They're trying to plus them. They see what they need, mm-hmm. uh, which was pioneered by Peter Jackson on the Lord of the Rings movies. And it's sure. a great way to make epic films like this they're starting to build in these reshoots as part of the scheduling on these films anyway so i i see them only as doing something that's good for the film definitely well you know what speaking of instagram zachary levi is showing off his muscular body that he's been working really hard to get at uh, everybody was complaining about like him not looking like shazam that dude looks kind of shazammy right there without the the, the spandex Look muscle his shoulders suit. Yeah, the guy's giant. He's like, you know, like whatever. Like he's like you, Jackman, where they're like, I'm in pain for like six months, like lifting weights and, and, and eating like, you know, creatine banana bars or whatever the hell they do. Cause I'm not doing that shit. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, he looks like Shazam to me. Like there's, there's a Shazammy type dude. What do you think? It's funny cause he, like, he looks more like Shazam than the things that we accept as Shazam. If you think about other eras of movie making totally. where our idea of what a buff dude looks like was very different. Right. Like other people who have played Shazam who kind of have that barrel chest, they don't look like Dwayne The Rock Johnson because that type of body didn't exist yet because we hadn't created this idea of what a very strong person looks like. And so it's strange because like it's never going to look exactly like you imagined and be faithful because these things change over time. Sure. Um, he has every chance of being our Shazam, and certainly it does, like, he does not look like I expected him to look, and I have certainly observed the shoulders, yes. <laughs> what do you think, Jeff? I, I think this is good. He looks really athletic, which I like. I like that that look in there, and obviously they're going to pat him out a little bit, and you're just going to do that because humans don't look like drawings. Right. It's just not, except The Rock. Man, <laughs> boy, does he look like a drawing. Yeah. It's, I like this. I like the idea that they're diving into, this is, to me, a Shazam movie is like an Ant-Man movie. Like, I'm like, well, this could be fun, and nobody should have expected this. And, <laughs> and I, like, who's this invest? Like, how many Shazam super fans are there that are this invested? Like, we can go in with kind of a blank slate, yeah. which I really enjoy. So it's like, oh, exactly. Yeah, hell yeah, why not? He's a, he's a good actor. Yeah, I, li- I liked that show he was in. Sure, why not do him as Shazam? Oh, he looks good. Yeah. Like, that's fine. That's great. I'm not... It's fun. My investment was the Shazam ISIS power hour. So that's like a little kid. That's uh, it. really dug ISIS. What do you think? I, well, I, I, really I think it's going to be great. And look, you know, one of my favorite on-screen 
uh, depictions of a superhero is from is Captain Marvel from the '40s serial, mm-hmm. which recently came out on on Blu-ray. That costume was was great, but like you so pointed out, people just didn't look that way. You know, they they didn't they didn't buff their bodies out that way. And when you watch the Adventures of Captain Marvel from the '40s, he looks kind of like the Rocketeer. You know, he's 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 like a flyer. He's like a pilot. You know, and 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 what we've done with people is not even in real life. Can anyone sustain looking like a superhero without going on that crazy diet and eating those kinds of foods? I mean, nobody really looks like that unless that's your. Well, Hugh Jackman did it for like 17 years to a certain degree, like rip himself up to do Wolverine. Then he'd be like, all right, I'm going to chill for a little while. And then I hope he's right. I read that article about Brendan Fraser and like all the damage he took from being an action hero. And I'm kind of worried about our generation of movie stars and like what we're doing to them. But that's a separate thing. Christian Bale is screwed. (laughs) That machinist to Batman begins transition. You don't make it out of that at 60. Well, you know, look, I mean, I, I used an arrow as a good excuse to be like, you can do that. Like he did, you know, Raging Bull and he was like super emaciated in the movie before and after that he went right to like I think it was like fear of uh, what was that one Cape Fear Cape Fear Cape thanks fear. yeah so like from you know fatted out kind of like you know telling stand up jokes real fat to like like ripped I'm a prisoner you know it's like getting Christian Bale's also playing what he's playing uh, uh, Cheney Cheney Dick yeah. Cheney and he's huge Hey, Christian Bale is playing Dick Cheney. Yeah, that's some that's craziness. Weird. From from what I understand, uh, a really good help for that is being super rich. <laughs> like I heard, yeah. being a millionaire really does help your health. Yeah, like, I think that's probably I, yeah. Being incredibly rich would probably help. Resources. Yeah, I've heard that if you can pay people to cook you food and train you to be in good shape. Uh, you will probably do okay. Jeff, may I think you have hit the magic button there. That's it's, it. Be rich, and then this it's still hard work, but yeah. it helps to have somebody yelling at you. Do another, you know, five push-ups. <laughs> you know, because yeah. none of us would do that shit unless we had someone yelling at us. That's true. All you got to do, just be rich. Well, not like, Nick Fury is yelling at Agent Coulson right now. <laughs> Check it out. Agent Coulson's showing up in Captain Marvel. He didn't really die. No, we're going back in time. It's taking place in 1991, so he's still alive. Hanging out with Fury with two eyes. What do you think? Coulson showing up in Captain Marvel. What do you think about I love that? this sneaky little shot, and we would have been so disappointed if he yes. weren't. Because we all did the math. We were all like, it's the 90s. Shield, yes, mm, mm, Coulson. Yeah, um, I cannot wait to see what ridiculous wig they put on him. I know. Like, I'm, I'm so excited. I want him to have like a Seattle grunge hairstyle. So hard. What do you think? I think it's fun, and I think he deserves it. I think he needs to be in more movies. Like, I felt like he was like, oh, he's building up this whole thing. He's such an important. And then he's like, all right, now you're gone. Right. And it's like, oh, let's get him back in there. And he's there, and it's fun. I'm actually really excited with Captain Marvel about seeing what tech they're going to use, mm. too. And I'm really excited to see Coulson using that. Like, I think that's going to be fun. Definitely. I mean, you know, look, he's he's been doing a really good job on you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, he's one of the pieces of glue that holds that show together. What are your thoughts about him going back in time? Uh, I think it's great. I mean, what's what's not to love? I loved Coulson. I mean, I loved, you know, you forget he was in Iron Man 1. You know, I had forgotten that Coulson was right there at the dawn of the MCU. Mm-hmm. He has his own hot toy figure. <laughs> I, ha- I have him. And uh, nice. go figure. Yeah, of course uh, you have. <laughs> but it's nice to see him come back. I mean, I- I've missed Coulson and I've missed Fury. You know, it seems like they were a, such an integral part of the, the, the beginnings that it's good to bring them back and put them in their proper place. Definitely. Well, you know who's not coming back? Halle Berry as Catwoman. But she was talking about how she feels that Catwoman opened the door 
for Black Panther. Now, Roka's shaking his face mm-hmm. over there. He's, he's crying in heart. Because a lot of people don't know Roka's favorite superhero movie is Catwoman. Just trying to let you know. But what are you guys thoughts well, about Well, Sharon Stone is in it. I Yes. But look, I mean, that's, you know. Just saying. If you want to say anything, open the door for Black Panther. I would go back to Blade. It's Blade. Um, and I wouldn't even say Blade because Blade was a, was a hit, but no one even knew it was a comic book. The people just responded to it. It was like, it's cool to see that dude take out vampires. I like the way they explode into ash. And it was a badass thing, and that blood rave was awesome. If you saw Blade, just, you know, if you didn't know that it had anything to do with the Dracula comic, and that's that guy, Blade, who's the vampire. If you didn't know that, which most, almost everybody who saw Blade didn't know that, and they still loved it enough to make two more sequels and a TV series. I think that that was a definitely, if you're going to say a door opener, it was at least something like, hey, these superhero comics, if done right, could make some money. Not well. I don't even think people. Meteor really, Man, dude. Yeah. Come on, Meteor Man. <laughs> Meteor not man. really, but poor Meteor but, Man. So you know, I mean, I don't think Catwoman did anything but shut doors. To be honest with you, what are your thoughts about this? I, so it's an interesting question because there's a, there's a part of me that's like, if you were out there and you tried to do it, then you are part of the story that got us here. So there's probably some element of like, for all I know, somebody did be like, right, this could work. Or maybe some business ground was laid by the deal that you made or like something else. The other side of it is it's very possible that the door was opened in terms of somebody being like, this makes me frustrated because I feel like we could fulfill on the promise of something like that, but better. And that fuel could very easily have inspired, like, we can do this, but better. Uh, right. That, that uh, the, like, certainly part of the reason we all freak out about these excellent, faithful superhero movies is because we know how easy it is for it to sort of go wrong. Derail. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So on that sense, that's also part of the road that gets you here. Yeah, and I don't want to take her statements out of context, but I'll say, like, you know, Pitoff opened the door for Tarsem. What are your thoughts? Uh, sure, Jan. <laughs> like, com- really? I mean, come on. Like, I, it, I want to go back to what you were saying, Blade. And I stand by this, and, and people look at me like I'm insane. Blade is the probably the most important movie of the last 20 years because that's the one that got everything else greenlit. And let, it, it, it literally opened the floodgates. And yep. that's, that's the one that showed that not the biggest properties can still make a ton of money. Like X-Men. Because Blade, I mean, literally what followed up the next year was the rights to X-Men. Let's get something let's like, yes. you, know, you know, like, like S- X-Men. And Spider-Man getting greenlit to actually yep. be made instead of just being in development hell right. all the time. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, come on, Halle Berry, you are fantastic and you deserved every Oscar that you, that you have. You also deserved a real storm movie to be in. Yes, right. and you deserve to, uh, an, a speech coach to teach you how to do that accent better. Mm-hmm. Um, but... No, come on. No, no. Well, you know what, though? To follow up on that, I cannot believe I'm going to defend Catwoman here. But I remember reading... I remember reading... Well, I'm not really going to defend the movie. I'm going to defend Halle Berry for a minute. Because I remember reading how excited she was about making Catwoman and how she talked about when she was a kid, how much Eartha Kitt's portrayal of Catwoman meant to her on the Batman TV series. And I I think that, that she went into that film with nothing but the best intentions and was right. hoping that she was going to create something that was really great and, and really transcendent as anyone who is making a multi-million dollar movie does they don't want to do anything that's first going to harm their career or second be bad and not make money right. so uh, you know again i think you hired maybe it was pitoff as the director who came from visual effects it was the tone and it was the way the movie what what what, what people thought a comic book character like catwoman was supposed to be 
I think it was a perception that was happening that was the wrong perception that we've seen changed over the last decade and a half. Yeah, I just had to check it. I remember it came out in 2004, before Batman Begins, and like after Batman and Robin. So there wasn't really a, a like a cultural awareness yet. Like we did have X Men, and we did have Blade, and we did have X Men United coming out. I think right around the same time in 2004. But so Catwoman was like X Two was 2003, and then I think it was all right. So X Two happened before, but it, I don't think they really figured out what how to do a serious bat anything yet, let alone cat. It anything. is sad because like they could and like. It's hard for me not to give them props for trying it, except that it seems like all this other stuff maybe went wrong and got in the way. So, like, once again, I, I have these super mixed feelings about it where I'm just like, it's one of those things that I, I, I will always be like, you know, it's taking Marvel a while to get to a solo female film, and it's not that I want bad ones, but, like, got to give DC props. They tried it with Supergirl. They tried it with Catwoman. Uh, I, I right. just want their you know, abilities to match their ambitions sometimes. Definitely. Well, you know what's matching everybody's and surpassing everybody's uh, thoughts about Black Panther. So it's, as we talked about this last week. It's number three all-time box office. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like it's hard to even imagine that that movie is the number three movie of all time here in, in the States. Outside of, you know, whatever, adjusted income. Gone with Wind is the one that's beat everything forever because there were no really, no, uh, no other movies that existed. Was, yeah. I think everyone was like, I wanna, what do you want to do this weekend? We can see Gone with the Wind again. That's the only thing playing for the last five years. I mean, I don't know how it was back then, but it feels like everyone's like, well, Gone with the Wind. is like, I've seen the movie. All right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Black Panther finally fell out of the top five box office this weekend for like, how many weeks was it number in the top five, Roka? Uh, six weeks. Six weeks. I mean, That's it, insane. yeah. I mean, literally, it's still going to be playing in theaters when Avengers: Infinity War plays. <laughs> and we were joking about this a month ago. We we're like, man, I hope Black Panther's still playing in theaters so that we can just literally go from Black Panther to Infinity War, and like, you literally get your Black Panther sequel but with everybody else's in it. So it's sort of like you get to go back to Wakanda, which is crazy within a three- to four-month span of time. What are you guys' thoughts about the amazing thing that is Black Panther? Mm, I'll hail the king. Yeah, I'll hail the king. Love it. Yeah, I mean, and when you think about it, too, it, this is a first run that it's hit three. When you look yes. at the ones before that, you're like, yeah, like Gone with the Wind, they released it like 45 times. Re like, like yeah, yeah. And back then it was the movie. It was the one movie. You right. saw Possibly one movie. the only place in town where there was air conditioning. Uh, like, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. People like, it's summer. You want to go just chill out and Gone with the Wind? It's like, like four you know, hours long. Yeah. It'd be great. Totally yeah. awesome air conditioning. So, and the one of the things about this specifically is the longevity uh, mm. of Black Panther because when, when everyone was being like, oh, that's just people, you know, being SJWs, and it's like, that's for the first week. That's not for the continuous amounts of week afterwards. Right. You have to be one of the best movies to continuously bring people back over and over and over again. Yeah. New new people going to see it and people going to see it again and again. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's that kind of... That's the thing that's culturally uh, a f cultural phenomenon about Black Panther is that not only is it an enjoyable film, not only is it a great film, but it's also an MCU film. So it's tied into this other 10 years and now continue. Like, hey, we introduced this character in that Civil War movie. Now his movie is now part of cultural history, and now he's also in the Avengers. What do you think? Well, I think another, another aspect about the film is that it's a very satisfying genre movie even outside of the mcu it has such an interesting world you know and you if you're watching whether it's lord of the rings or whether it's star wars or whatever your favorite world building is they do such a good job of of building the world of wakanda and all mm -hmm. the different factions within wakanda and everything that goes on and 
I mean, everybody, the clothes, the costuming, everybody, it's so much fun to watch. Right. Which is, is, is one of the things that sometimes that gets missed in these films. I mean, and tonally, it's sort of, it's serious, but it's also buoyant. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not too depressing. And right. there's a lot of like, wow, that was just, that kicked ass, you know, and, and it's just a satisfying time at the, at the movies, I which wonder. is something you don't always get. So we, we before the movie came out, we're like, it's got kind of a James Bond flavor to it. And then you see the movie, and it does. They do travel around, but they also have that home base of Wakanda. And there's so many things to explore both in Wakanda and then kind of whatever they're going to do with the next movie. I feel like I hope that they keep that kind of Bondian flavor, even though they're expe- you know Wakanda is opening its doors. I feel like is Coogler going to or is Marvel going to release that four hour cut that we've heard about? It was scored this entire four hour thing, and it's like. We're like, oh, well, that's not on the Blu-ray. Like, that double dip might be a year from now, but will they mess with this? Like, by, hey, look, you've got a hit with this movie. Why why put out the four-hour version if they are indeed going to do that? You guys, have you heard about this four-hour yeah, version? Yeah, but talk about it, it. wouldn't it be cool if they did? And again, I look at the extended cuts of Lord of the Rings. You look no further. I mean, Return of the King is an hour longer. Mm-hmm. We would want to see those things. Why not? I, I, I mean, I would love to see a four-hour version of Infinity War. I haven't seen Infinity War yet, but right. I think I will once I, <laughs> you know, want. Come sure. on, things things have hit the cutting room floor for all of these movies. So I feel like you know we'll we'll just have to wait and see. I like the idea of keeping it limited only because. Black Panther is a part in this very, very rich tapestry, whereas Lord of the Rings was a self-contained three-part series. And if you start adding hours and hours, now you have a lot more continuity that you might have to fit in. A character might have been used that they want to save for something else. So I get it. A four-hour movie would be probably really fun to watch. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, that just seems like a logistic nightmare at this point in time. Well, I know we're not going to see a four-hour version of The New Mutants. Uh, Charlie Heaton just recently said, that, you know, they're reshooting it. Uh, we're shooting more than half of it. And it's going to be now a full-fledged horror movie, which I thought that's what they were making. And then I guess it became a young adult movie because of studio executive notes. And then those same studio executive notes were like, yeah, we were wrong. Make it a horror movie. So the guy's got to go back to the drawing board and make it exactly what he originally pitched them, which was a horror movie. So that sounds like a horror movie of the behind-the-scenes making this movie. Um, jury's out you know it's hard to tell i loved what i saw from the trailers the few you know few moments of what i saw from the trailers you really can't put together too much because it was a mini it wasn't even a trailer it was a teaser so so you really can't put too much together other than like oh i think that guy's cannonball i think you know who the characters are from the comic books and that's literally it so i don't really get i don't have any kind of gauge to put on that nor any kind of gauge to put on dark phoenix because that we never even saw one trailer for that both of those movies got pushed off to next year which it's fine. I guess yeah. it's fine because if New Mutants needs to get that radical redo or they had to add this other character, we don't even know if it's Warlock. We don't know what they're doing with it. Um, and, you know, like we don't know what they're reshooting with Aquaman. So it's hard to really make too many conjectures other than like, hey, they had some test screenings. They feel like they made the wrong decision and they're willing to pay for it. So and they have to now wait because the cast and crew are all doing different things. So Game combination there, yeah. Game of Thrones, yeah. two, you know, one of them or both of both them, both of them, both. Yeah. So it's a little, little, a little messy. But at least uh, Charlie Heaton, you know, I, I believe him that he's saying now it's now it's a full fledged horror movie. So what are your what are your thoughts? You think it's going to be PG thirteen or R? What do you think? Ooh, um, I guess I'm still hoping it lands on PG thirteen. Just a very good scary PG thirteen. I think that would probably be the the best bet here but like 
it, you, you write the description of what they're doing sounds like maybe they're pushing it to R and hoping that, like, maybe if we make something for a more specific audience but make it more intensely whatever it is, that that will work better. I just hope that... I hope it's what you're suggesting, that, like, they're giving it the time it takes. Because we've often complained about, like, don't rush through the process. Right. Uh, so I am trying to hold on to that because it is kind of scary to, to see all this unfolding in a way that is not particularly normal for movie releases. What do you think? Uh, whatever. Like, at this point in time, like, they're like, it's going to be a full-fledged horror movie. Like, another like another R-rated X-Men movie. Great. Let's just have those forever now. Let's... Hmm. I mean, the X-Men, it, it's... It's the it new sh- mutants. It, should be, it shouldn't be R. It, it should be a young adult thriller with horror. Par- I mean, that's what the Demon Bear series yes. is. And so now you're building up this thing where we're like, oh, well, Fox continuously learns the wrong lesson from Deadpool's success, and yep. now everything is rated R. Right. Like, stop it. Like, that's not... It shouldn't be, like... It should be a young adult movie. It should yeah. be a scary young adult movie. The idea that you're going full-fledged horror is kind of obnoxious for the New Mutants. Sounds like, a, sounds like so much misplaced thought. It is a weird thing where you're like, can Marvel get this back soon enough? What do you think? Well, I think, look, Fox is looking at two things. I mean, they're looking at the fact that Logan worked as an R-rated film when Logan, the Wolverine movies weren't. They're looking at the success the Warner Brothers had with It. I mean, it made half a billion dollars. It was a group of kids that were having psychological trauma and Pennywise and and, and this child-killing monster. Right. And they're like, well, people wouldn't see that. Right. The demon and, bears and are the demon bears. Yeah, is that's what they're that's what they're doing. They're 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 looking at box office success. Should New Mutants be that way? Probably not. But they've got they've decided to put these characters in some kind of an asylum. I mean, it's right. It's, it's a haunted a whole, house. It's, movie it's a horrific. It is, yeah. It's a horrific situation. These kids are in. They're suffering trauma. And right. and I think we've seen things that that young people like Thirteen Reasons Why on Netflix, which is really a dark show, even though it's not. Sometimes it's not as dark as I think it should have been, but we're seeing those kinds of subject matters now being being uh, approached in many different realms. So I don't think the fear right. is there like it used to be. Well, I'm certainly hoping hoping with the full trailer that'll be coming out in a couple of months, maybe we'll get a full trailer at San Diego Comic Con uh, that we'll see a little bit more behind the scenes of what we can expect next year when it comes out. You know what we can expect very soon, June 15th, The Incredibles 2, and a full trailer finally hit. And so we got a chance to see a little bit more about the story, except just Baby Jack ruining his dad's hair. Now we get a little bit more story with Elastigirl, Woman. I don't know what her full name is now, but she's part of a full super team. And dad's Mr. Mom staying at home, taking care of the kids. A lot of craziness is ensuing. I love the first Incredibles. It feels like it came out 30 years ago because uh, it did. It came out like 15 years ago. What, when the hell did it come out? It came out a long time ago. Over a decade we've been waiting Thank God Brad Bird made a bunch of other cool movies, and he finally is making this movie, you know, The Return of Irma. I mean, come on. We've got so many people coming back. What do you think? What took Jeff? so long? Yeah. Why, why, why did we have to wait this long for this? We got three cars and two planes movies right. from Pixar <laughs> while, while we're waiting for The Ugh. Incredibles 2. Um, th- it's good. The Incredibles is the best Fantastic Four uh, movie that's yeah. ever we finally got made. a Fantastic Four two movie and Frozone. What do you think? Uh, I am uh, I, I'm kind of saving myself on this one. I haven't watched the trailers because like I I'm there minute one. Sure. I don't, don't want it. I didn't know anything going into the Incredibles, and it is a perfect movie. And like it it uh, you know they, it, I don't think it needed a sequel, but I'm excited because it feels like 
all right, if you waited 15 years to do this, you probably came up with some kind of idea. And I'm right. really excited. Like, I, I couldn't be more excited for this. You one. know what? If you didn't see the trailer, you don't have to see the trailer, but the trailer doesn't give away too much. It okay. gives you, like, a premise, I might like, break. where it could be going. So okay. it sort of gives you, like, you get an idea. It's like, all right, I understand the setup, but I don't know how it's going to be executed. What do you think? Look, I, I love The Incredibles. I thought the trailer was great. I thought the premise, what, what it's about, again, about family. First and foremost, mm-hmm. it's not about explosions and histrionics and all that. It's about this family, this superhero family. And there's a really interesting, I guess, dilemma within that family. Yeah. That I thought the reason, it probably took so long to make a second film because they didn't have a great story. Like, what was that movie going to be? And they, they figured it out. And I think that if, if we get great movies and it takes a little while, that's... That's the way it should be. I just want a film to be great. This looks fantastic. It certainly does. When are they going to start making Incredibles 3? We're like already jumping on that train. Like another 10 years? Well, we're looking forward to that. Let's get into some Twitter questions. The first one is from Steve Palchinski. And he says, could the pushing back reshoots of Dark Phoenix be due to Disney making them remove the scrolls? This makes the most sense to me. Well, Steve, I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think that's the reason. I think the reason is the third act, which, you know, I think... You know, you got to read between the lines sometimes when a lot of these studio, you know, notes come out or like studio excuses where you're sort of like, well, we're waiting to reshoot this thing because the people are like doing Game of Thrones and this and that. And you're like, well, couldn't you figure that out when you wrote the script? <laughs> you know, or maybe while you were shooting the third act and like you could have somebody editing, you have enough money to have someone edit those scenes called dailies. Like, I'm sure they did that. But what probably ended up happening is they put the whole movie together and then did a couple of those test screenings. And guess what? The third act actually didn't play. That's the only thing that I could figure out. It's like, and so that makes myself incredibly worried that you have someone who's written, like Simon Kinberg has written tons of movies. Why couldn't, and he already did the Dark Phoenix saga wrong the first time. It was called Last Stand. So here he's getting his redemption plus card and he's directing for the first time. Uh, You know, I mean, look, do I want the movie to be fantastic? Yes. Would I love to see him do an incredible job as a first-time director. Look, he's produced and written tons of movies. It's not like he's some newbie. He's been on sets for like his entire life. So it's not like he's direct. He's finally directing. People are like, "Well, I'm worried about him." I'm not worried about him as a director. I'm worried more about him as a writer and, and accomplishing what so many people, all of us at this table, who've read Dark Phoenix as well as the X Men for most of our lives, that's the kind of thing we want. So when we were first talking about. Oh, you know, when we first heard rumors about Dark Phoenix and, oh, it's, it might include, you know, Lalandra. And they might, and a lot of people at that time when I was proposing that were arguing with me. They're never going to go out into outer space and they're never this. Well, they were wrong because guess what? <laughs> the very first scene you see is them in outer space and Dark Phoenix getting her powers. We don't know if they're going to introduce the Star Jammers, but who's to say Ooh. they aren't? What do you think, Amy? I don't know what to think about the movie overall. I do think the specific idea of them doing it to remove the scrolls, I would say is probably unlikely, just because if they if they didn't have rock-solid permission to use that going in, I, I'm reluctant to think they would have committed to the, the movie. And, like, if Disney was going to start interfering, I think, weirdly, that it would be in bigger ways than just saying you can't use that villain. Right. So this specific scenario, I'm guessing, is not what's behind it. But do I know what's behind it? No idea. Well, I mean, I think you're, you're right, though, in your assumptions. I think that both because they share the scrolls, 
is really literally what it is. It's like, well, the Skrulls were in, you know, they, be, they were forced to be cows from the Fantastic Four. Remember, <laughs> now you're just going to live out the rest of your lives as cows, shape changer. Spoiler and then, for yeah, FF2. Yeah, and then they're also in Avengers and the Kree Skrull War, and they got the Krees. It's like, so they got to share these characters. There could be a thing where it's like, look, since we're, we're, we are eventually joining forces in 2019, make sure the Skrulls look like this. So there could be an entire CG thing that none of us know about as far as, like, the scrolls. Like, well, they're not going to remove the scrolls. They're going to make them look like the scrolls. Mm. What do you think? X-Men movies are a consistent wild card. Mm. There is, you can, like, it's like throwing darts in a hurricane. There's, you're never going to actually land on the real, because there's probably, I'm guessing more than one reason why reshoots might have ne- been needed after some certain test screenings right. or something like that, because... I mean, when you look at it, like, when you look at the hits and misses of X-Men movies, they're consistently insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're, like it's, it's... Why did this work? Who knows? Yeah, like, right. like, why was this one good? And then we made one just like it, and it was super bad. Like, that's... So with X-Men movies, I, I just kind of leave it up and be like, hey, you guys, figure it out. Just please sure. figure it out. Do what you got to do. Am I going to be pleasantly surprised? Who knows? Like, I mean, you Who's go... Who's first class coming? No, no, I mean, and I loved it. What do you think, Robert? Well, look, I've been a person, I even liked, if you look at Days of Future Past and then you look at Apocalypse, those are two movies, same director, basically the same cast. And as much as I like Apocalypse, I'm willing to admit the ending doesn't really work. Apocalypse himself is underserved. But the characters, the interplay is great. And I think that maybe... That's a nice way to put it. Maybe, oh, maybe, huh. the, maybe the, um, the, they didn't stick the landing on this movie. This, this movie, we all know what's going to happen in this movie. And it better have some kind of emotional resonance. When you get to the end of the film, it should pack an emotional wallop. Right. And perhaps it does not. And they, they wanted to... It's only been delayed four months. But I'm sure that's because of Sophie Turner's shooting schedule. They, right. they would have they made their release date if she and her younger... If the Stark sisters were not... Shooting in Westeros, sure, you know, <laughs> or that's the that's the, the the story we've been fed. Maybe they so. have to digitally remove her mustache, right? Or digitally <laughs> add a mustache. Next question, Matthew Miller, regarding the Joker movie, what do you think about approaching it as an anthology, a la Legends of the Dark Knight, the comic book series? We could see Joker and Arkham giving a backstory to Batman, Gordon, and Doctor Quinzel, culminating with his escape in the finale. Eh. Um, that could happen. Um, I like the idea, though, of them doing something like Legends of the Dark Knight. If you haven't watched Gotham, that is the closest you're going to get to Legends of the Dark Knight. I, li- I literally watched the last two episodes of Gotham because everyone was like, the Joker shows up. And I was like, all right, let me see this. It's definitely a super weird series. I could say that about Gotham. It's bizarre, strange, somewhat satisfying, somewhat horrible at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, like, you know, if you're a Gotham fan, awesome. Like, I am not, but I like the things that they're doing. They're trying weird stuff. Like, the second to last episode, I think it's episode 17, begins with, quote-unquote, the Joker slash Jerome. He's not the Joker, but, he, you know, he's got a twin brother. Hanging out with Scarecrow, Mr. Freeze. I mean, like, literally all the Batman, the Penguin, they're like, yeah, we're having a little dinner party. What are we going to do next? You know, like crazy like i'm like what the fuck am i watching man because i haven't been watching any of these other episodes of gotham i literally i was i'm gonna watch the, these last two and that's how the the second to last one started was with literally all the criminals hanging out having like a little dinner hangout and then solomon grundy is at a bar all pissed off it's a fat solomon grundy i was like this is a whacked out show 
<laughs> you got Jim Gordon hanging out with uh, Bullock, you know, trying to figure out how we can stop stuff. A young Bruce Wayne, like, getting involved. It's like, it's madness. And then Chuck and Jerome and his twin brother, Jeremiah, who ends up becoming the Joker in the last episode. I'd say check it out. If you have Hulu, those episodes are up. Watch it. It's weird. I don't even know if I like it, but I was like, I'm going to watch the next one and see what happens. So that's Legends of the Dark Knight for me. It's not Batman. It's Batman adjacent or it's Batman in the Elseworlds. They could do that very easily. Like DC could very, very easily allow a Batman series to happen where you could like have a different writer and a different director do a different episode, a one-hour episode with the greatest detective around Batman. Recap Batman's cast every week a different Batman. I think it would be fantastic. That's just an idea. What do you think? Well, I think, like, if you're suggesting for, for the film, uh, for instead of a Joker film, like, I think go all the way. If, the, if you're talking about the film side and trying to do it anthology style, like, that's a difficult sell. But I think it could be cool, especially if you sort of scrap it and just do an Arkham Asylum movie. Right. Like, I wasn't a huge fan of the idea of starting, of doing Suicide Squad before all those separate villains had been established. Correct. But it's a little bit different with Batman because we know his rogues gallery so well. So especially if you're taking it out of continuity and making a standalone thing, like just a movie about a bunch of the Bat villains, I think, has some potential. It does, but then when I saw Gotham, like I said, it ruined it. They got you, and I love that. They got me, but I'm saying the potential, like seeing that, it just it doesn't work. It, mm. it really doesn't work. It's so weird. Like, where's why are, why are they all hanging out when there's no Batman? It's just so strange and mm. bizarre. But I do like Scarecrow. What do you think? It's like a almost got him. You know, like it's mm. kind of a throwback to that idea of like the villains hanging out in the bar. You referred yeah. to the episode about yeah, the yeah. series. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, such a seminal episode. I like the, what I like about the Joker is that the Joker has such a broken brain that can see a big, like they, it's, it's a big picture guy where like everything, the synapses are all strange and weird. And I like that. Like you could have a lot of fun with that character and sort of like a memento with an insane kind of twist. I agree. But I mean, like if you can do Joaquin anything. Phoenix playing the Joker, like why not make a standalone movie? I don't, I don't see, I don't have any problem with it. The more it's settled with me, I'm like cool with that. But I'd like to see like, he's, he's suggesting legend of the dark Knight. I'm saying go all the way and just make a series called legends of the mm. dark Knight. Do a special, like, you know, 10 episode run where they're 90 minutes to get the top, of the crop directors and writers and actors, let them go nuts in the Batman universe. What do you think? Look, would that be good? Sure. But I would rather see, like, if Scorsese's involved, let's see the raging bull of Joker movies where, you know, you have the whole life story of Jake LaMotta taught, you know, his domestic violence and then he's a fighter, mm. then he winds up as an empresario at a nightclub. You really get a sense of the guy's whole life. You want to see the fat Joker. I don't want to see the fat Joker necessarily, <laughs> but I'm saying that that's a great way to I look agree. at the life story of, of a dude. And I would love to see the raging bull of Joker movies. I love that. Without still the still don't want his full story. That's true, I don't, too. I, mean, I don't think we're ever going to get it. But what we are going to get is another Twitter question. It's Ashley Hoochins asking, with the recent announcement of Fantastic Four returning to comic books in August, is it safe to finally believe they will be in the MCU a la Phase 4? Been preaching that for the last year. Ashley, where have you been? Yes. Most definitely. Before the Fox deal even happened where they absorbed the X-Men, they got those Fantastic Four rights back last year. I guarantee it. What do you think? Phase Four, Fantastic Four, is that happening? I think it is a fantastic chance. Ooh. Oh, I wish I felt safe saying it's definitely yeah. going to happen, but I'm just going to... I like Because I... 
I don't want them to burn me. So I'm going to be like, I hope it happens. I hope it happens until they actually freaking tell me it's happening. I drank my own Kool-Aid. What do you think, Burnett? I think it's going to happen. And I think after seeing Ghost Protocol that Brad Bird directed, the Mission Impossible film, that he should direct the Fantastic Four. Well, and he's also movie. directing the Fantastic Four movie, The Incredibles. Uh, that's what I mean. Two. Yeah, he I mean, did The Incredibles 1 and 2. He did such a great job with he Ghost Protocol. He should do the Fantastic Four I film. He's at Disney. It. Let's make it happen. If, if Peyton Reed's not doing Fantastic Four, get Brad Bird. Okay. Mark Lloyd gets the last question. When will the MCU add Rick Jones? He's such an influential character, not just the Hulk becoming a bomb, but he was also he was the Bucky to Cap, but a bigger part of the Kree Skrull War and Captain Marvel and wielded the Negabands. That's right. Could he show up in Captain Marvel? That's right. Rick Jones, son. We're talking about Rick Jones. <laughs> Can't believe that's ending the show. Rick Jones. Also we known need, as A-Bomb. What do you think? We need so much more time for Rick Jones because it's a fascinating <laughs> problem that they have now because the thing with Rick Jones is that he's just involved in everything. Yep. And it is the only thing they can't do with the MCU right now unless they do some crazy, he was in the background of that scene and this scene, <laughs> which I'm not putting it past them being able to pull that off. But like the thing that makes him Rick Jones is he just keeps being in the place at the time to get involved in this stuff. So how now that the adaptations haven't done that, how do you make him Rick Jones? In Avengers 4, where they're going through the time, jumping through time, Rick Jones is in every scene. <laughs> like, we don't even know. They're like, secretly, we've got to find Rick Jones. Where is he in World War II? That's probably not going to happen. What do you think? I think Rick Jones for the MCU would be kind of a vestigial character. I think the viewer is Rick Jones. Mm. The viewer, because Rick mm. Jones was created and always has been created as sort of the everyman viewing this the insane connective world. fiber of the Hulk like, and all yeah. this. Yeah. And like whenever they're like, oh, and then he was Captain Marvel. It's like, yeah, but that was 25 years after he right. really was created. Like realistically, Rick Jones is us. And we, the way the MCU works is we sit in movies. We're not reading comics where we have to have somebody tell us how to feel because we're seeing it with these insane... Right. Rick Jones eventually became Robin, so to speak. Yeah. So, we, didn't so need, like, we, we don't, don't need it. We don't need it. Like we... I think it would be an unnecessary addition. They could throw him in as sort of like, a, yeah, that's a guy named Rick Jones. He's on a motorcycle, yeah, right? Now he's cool. a giant blue Hulk called A-Bomb. What? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't we don't know. need that. He's the watcher. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's oh, going to be the MCU yeah. watcher. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of this idea. That would be like putting Snapper Car in the Justice League movie. You know, <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to do that. Yeah. And like you said, very astutely, Rick Jones is us. We are Rick Jones. And, and I think that's the best description that I could possibly have heard. And yeah. so, yeah, no so Rick Jones. Rick, I would rather see Rick Jones than Detective Chimp. That's right. I said it. <laughs> I said it. And that's the episode. Uh, thanks, Robert, Amy, Jeff, for being on the show. Thank it's you. been a very fun episode. We're at hour 10. We got to go. See you on Wednesday. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. Ah. <sighs> 
Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.